Welcome to Positivity Strategist, a podcast that injects a good deal of optimism and possibility into your life at home and at work. Conversations with thought leaders and everyday people shine the light on what works and amplifies those everyday micro moments of positivity, irrespective of what else is going on. You'll be energized by lots of practical tips, inspiring you to live a truly satisfying and meaningful life. Hi to all you wonderful people and welcome to today's episode. This is PositivityStrategist.com slash PS51. Yes, this is episode 51 and I'm your host, Robin Stratton-Burkessel. So before I introduce my special guest today, I just wanted to take a minute to thank many of you who are taking the time to let me know how much you're enjoying the show. That really means a lot to me. So as an example, this week I received such a warm note from Jessica Rogers in the beautiful Finger Lakes district in upstate New York. And she wrote to me saying, I'm quoting now, I've been listening to your podcast for about two months, which I found through Googling about appreciative inquiry. Your podcast has opened my world up and I feel like I've found my tribe of people. So much that I'm trying to figure out how I can get more involved, know more people in that world, etc. And you've pointed out some great books. And she indicated that she'd been reading certain books and she went on to list what they are and she'd found those books on the resources page of my site. So I was so touched by that feedback. And when I hear from you, it really does encourage me to keep going. It energizes me. You know, there's positive feedback's great. So um, many, many of you may also be aware that I'm down to recording only one or two shows a month, and that's because there are a number of exciting projects in the pipeline, and I'll be saying more about that in the future. So once again, before I introduce Joe, I want to thank you for your continued interest in the content that we're putting into the world. There is a movement. The world cannot get enough love and positivity. And as Jessica wrote this week, she said, together we are lifting the world up. I'd say amen to that. <laughs> so this is going to be another great show and I'm about to introduce to you Joe Sanek. And what's about, what I think is exciting about this conversation I'm going to have with Joe is that Joe's a mental health counsellor by profession and he's now also in the business of helping others establish their own consulting practice. So I thought this could be a good conversation to serve those of you who might be starting your own practice or thinking about it. Now, Joe's mission, and he's going to share more of this, is to pass on all the learnings he's had about setting up a consulting practice. And in fact, his website is called practiceofthepractice.com, where he shares his learnings and practices there and much more. Joe's also a fellow podcaster and his podcast is all about helping professionals grow their business. And it's called How to Become a Consultant Podcast. And many of you may just be thinking about that. So, Joe, welcome to Positivity Strategist Podcast. Thank you so much, Robin. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Great. So, Joe, I'm going to invite you now to tell your story um, focusing perhaps initially on how you made a transition and created a new business. So I'd love you to start with 
um, your why. And maybe you can talk to us about why you started the practice of practice, you know, why you took the leap from being a mental health counsellor. I'm sure that was incredibly satisfying. So that you now help other professionals set up their own practices. Would that be a good starting point? That'd be a great starting point because uh, a lot happened in 2012 when I started to make that shift. So I, uh, in 2011, my mom uh, had really bad cancer and luckily she survived and our family was dealing with just a lot of different things. I had a full-time job at the time at a community college as a counselor, really enjoyed it, but I had this part-time private practice that I had on the side and I kept kind of adding clinicians to that practice. And then in 2012, I really realized that if I was going going to continue to grow, um, that I was going to have to figure out how I could level up um, because I enjoyed the community college, but I also had this feeling that I didn't want to always have my hour be exchanged for money. Like the, the only way I could grow is to see more people. I wanted to figure out ways to build some passive income, some different types of income. So I launched Practice of the Practice in 2012. Um, and that year, um, it's really interesting because so much of what I still stand for came out in a really terrible year. Um, that year, my daughter had open heart surgery. I had thyroid cancer. Um, we had a miscarriage as a family. My mom had a heart attack. I mean, it was just one of those years that no family wishes for. Um, but in that time, what I found is that I had to be so efficient with my time uh, when I was blogging, uh, when I was working on my counseling private practice, so that I really was giving only what was needed to that business. And as I started to grow practice of the practice and things in our personal life settled down, uh, I found that I had a growing connection with the audience I was building there with the blog. And in, in 2013, I launched the Practice of the Practice podcast, which is aimed at counselors that are in private practice that are growing their businesses. And it quickly became the number one podcast for counselors. And as I did that, I felt this feeling that this life goal of working at a community college, of being able to just kind of grow in the counseling field, um, was really starting to dim while this other light was really starting to just light up in my heart. And as I helped more and more counselors to grow thriving private practices, I realized that I had this amazing balance that I hadn't recognized before that of being good at counseling, but also being good at marketing and business and finding that kind of center between being analytical on one side, but being artistic on the other, uh, that I had kind of walked my whole life, but hadn't recognized how much of an asset that was to others. Yeah. And so, Joe, you started blogging and you formed a community or engagement through blogging. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I would say that early on, I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> there wasn't like a strong community initially. But really, when I launched the podcast, that's when uh -huh. it became a lot easier to engage with the community because I was in their ears, I was in their brain, and I was with them when they were jogging or cleaning. And so there was a deeper personal touch that happened as a result of that. And that made me step up my blogging in addition to the podcasting. And then from there, I was able to look at, well, how do I monetize this so that I can continue to help? people and also meet their needs for what they want to do within their practices. Yeah, I think, you know, that's great. So you're really talking about different forms of content, right? So there's a content strategy there. But can you just say a little bit about, did you go off and do any um, um, business training or online marketing training? Did you kind of hone your own skills before you started sharing this out in the world? You know, all I was doing at the time was I... 
I was listening to the Smart Passive Income podcast that was really inspiring to me. And then if you had mentioned a book, I would read books. I, I wish I would have taken some time to have my own coach and my own training. I think it would have sped things up and I would have saved a lot of time. Uh, but I really kind of got out there, started blogging and learned as I went, which in a lot of ways was helpful because I didn't know what I didn't know. And there's so many private practice consultants that are out there that I probably would have been more intimidated knowing if I did some market <laughs> research, said, oh, huh, look at all these people. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Um, so, but I think that what, what was helpful in at least just starting with kind of a blank slate is that I just did it my way and what I thought would look good, I, what I thought would be interesting. And so the idea that we're influenced by all these people we listen to, I really didn't deal with any of the kind of copycat stuff that sometimes comes when people are influenced by a lot of the people they look up to. With that said, I do think that having someone walk you through it, it, it would have saved so much time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I love some of the things that you're saying there, um, you know, not being intimidated and, um, you know, just going out there and doing it. But, you know, did you, did you um, kind so you're, you had a niche, right? So I'm trying to say, if you were to now go back and analyze it and how you might teach others, what's kind of the steps that you might walk through? So how, you know, you know, I, I'm told that I need to know who my niche is. So I don't know if that's how you see it, but I'd love to hear what your perspective is. Absolutely. I think that I would even say that it's it's a hyper niche. I mean, it's it's not just counselors. It's not just counselors in private practice, but it's counselors in private practice that often want to be private pay. They value marketing. They want to grow their incomes. And so it's such a small segment that if I was to go back, I would probably have looked at what's what's going to make me unique within this this field because it's, it's very specialized. Uh, but how do I frame it around just one or two products that I'm going to end up trying to sell early on? You know, I'd write an ebook and I'd try to get people to buy it. And, you know, I'd try to do this members course, but I didn't have that idea of how am I going to really have a clear funnel. And the way that I teach my consulting clients, and I'm going to be launching a course probably sometime in the next year or so, is the concept of one, one, one. And so you have one, say, Facebook campaign or some sort of paid campaign that leads into one really quality blog post that leads into one quality opt-in, um, which a lot of people teach that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but what I think um, I found that's been the differentiator is when you're creating that blog post to have a survey be a part of that within your field. And so if I could have got 100 or 200 counselors in private practice to take a survey about the stressors they're going through, the marketing that they understand or that they don't understand, how much are they making, how many hours a week are they working, so that within that blog post I could cite the research that I had done it would have given me language that spoke directly mm. to private practice clinicians. It would have given me uh, the top priorities that they have before I ever create a product, before I create too many other things. And then I could have tested that out by putting you know, a few hundred dollars into pay-per-click on a really focused Facebook campaign, had kind of my what in my head was my ideal client, see if they resonate with that blog post and then opt in um, to kind of test the market a little bit before I put in thousands of hours of time mm-hmm. to just say, okay, here's my work kind of hypothesis that these types of people want this type of content. Let me test that out a little bit and see if that's true. And then if it's not, then I could have pivoted pretty quickly early on rather than take years to figure that out. Mm. And did you have to pivot? Uh, I think that I haven't pivoted as much as I've I've added different layers. And so I really clarified about two years ago that the three groups that I help are, or three buckets, three sections are people that are starting a private practice 
And then the next group is people that are growing a private practice. And then the next group are people that want to become consultants. And so the first group, you know, they're starting a private practice. They don't have a whole lot of money. They're going to opt into a lot of the free material or the low cost material that I have. So early on, I had a member's newsletter that it was $145. You got a weekly email to walk you through starting a private practice. I would have maybe one person every two months opt into that. But then in last December of 2015, I dropped the price from $149 per year to a one-time fee of $17, and which is a dramatic drop. But the amount of people that have purchased it since then, because they're brand new, you know, they don't have money, they still have grad school loans. Uh, I make more per month off of that than I did when I had the high price item. So looking at my group mm-hmm. and saying, what do they need? And then looking at the middle section, the folks that want to grow their practice, what is it that they want? They want to have community of other people growing their practice. They want to have individual catered consulting. They want to have the tools created for them that we can add into a consulting package because their time is so valuable because they already have a thriving private practice. And then looking at kind of the next group of those people that want to become a consultant, they as well are looking for community. So I have a mastermind group and an e-course and a few other things that help people in that area. So I think early on, I wasn't focused on what I was trying to achieve. So now naturally, I was kind of all over the place. Yeah. Um, And can you just explain to me what becoming a consultant is? How does that differ from, you know, earlier on in one's professional career? Sure. So for me, becoming a consultant is taking something that you're really good at and deciding that you're going to teach others how to do that. And so that can be in a variety of different ways. So the example I frequently use with counselors that want to become a consultant is maybe you've worked at a crisis center. You've done suicidal hotlines. You've done that type of nonprofit work. Who else needs to learn about Mm -hmm. crisis? Well, maybe a bank. You could put together some sort of material that would help bank administrators or HR Mm -hmm. learn how to handle crisis. And so you're taking something that you know really well and finding a new field for that skill set. And so I work with teenagers and all of them are great at social media, at least all of them that I work with. And so maybe they're really great at Snapchat. They might even start some program that's for businesses that want to get on Snapchat because that's such a growing area for businesses right now. But most businesses have no idea how to use Snapchat. And so would a business pay a teenager 500 bucks to sit down, set up their Snapchat, set up some strategy, uh, and then kind of move on from there? If they can demonstrate they have that expertise in professionalism, I imagine that many teenagers could have a very quick consulting business with the skill set that most Mm -hmm. of their parents would say, get off of Snapchat. Mm, Yeah. So it's kind of adding, it's providing a service, you're saying. So... Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That that it becomes a consulting business that could be one-on-one consulting. Mm -hmm. It could be group consulting. It could be a project-based. But taking the knowledge that you have and asking yourself, how do I level this up into a different area, a different income stream, or a different product? Yeah, very good. Yeah. So, Joe, in the framework of appreciative inquiry, which is, you know, focusing on strengths and things that our successes and that work. It would be fabulous if you could share a story with us of a high point when you um, kind of felt that, you know, it, it, it illustrates how you connected to the business persona in you or when you felt, wow, I'm walking my talk, um, I'm so honouring of my own courage and conviction and now I'm kind of very happy with where I'm at. Was there is there a story that, shows that transition or that evolution? Yeah. So it was probably a year and a half ago. 
I was talking to Kelly Higdon, who she and her colleague, Miranda Palmer, have this business called Zinimi, and they teach private practitioners how to grow their private practices. They have this business school boot camp, uh, similar to like a B school, like Marie Forleo or something like that. And I had had them on the podcast and I was talking to Kelly and I sort of jokingly kind of seriously said, wouldn't it be fun to put on a conference together? And we were both lamenting about how frustrated we were with kind of the typical conferences. You show up, you go to these breakout sessions, you know, maybe a couple hours of this whole weekend you've spent uh, feel like they're really valuable. And it, it just feels like to fly across the country for that sort of experience wasn't what we were looking for. And so I had thrown it out to them knowing that she and Miranda were a level kind of above me or ahead of me in regards to where they were at in their careers. And then also said, I think that this other person that I've been following, Julie Hanks, would be a really good fit if we brainstormed something. So we brainstormed what it might look like to put on a conference together. And so when we look at the bullet points of what I was teaching and living out was putting yourself out there, leveling up, trying to find people that you can together help each other grow. So all of these things were a part of this. And the four of us put on a conference in May of 2015 called the Most Awesome Conference. Mm -hmm. And we're again hosting it in 2016. And what we did is we rented this giant house in La Jolla, California, and we had breakout sessions. Everybody got professional headshots. They got a one minute professional video. We had a food truck pull up to feed everybody lunch, massage therapist poolside, and really had it be an action oriented conference where we would speak for about half an hour and then have a half hour to an hour of action where we were really living out uh, the kind of dynamic process that we wanted to see in our daily businesses. And what's come out of that is for all four of us, uh, it's helped all of us level up our careers to be able to just grow, to be able to get more opportunities and to help more people. That is a wonderful story. And the collaboration and the exponential growth and benefits that you get when there are four of you doing this together, right? Absolutely. And, and what's interesting is that you know, you have your friends that you've had for your whole life. Like this last weekend, I hung out with some guy friends and we had this guy's weekend because one of our friends was turning 40 and it was a lot of fun and we connected. But there's also a certain element of when you're growing your business and thinking about certain things that maybe your past friends haven't thought about, it, it isn't, there's not as much to talk about sometimes. And so now I have these new friends mm -hmm. that I connect with socially, but then I also have a lot in common in regards to business. You can see why those networking relationships also become personal relationships where our families know each other. We actually both have daughters that are four years old. And so our daughters know each other. And so over time, it's not just a professional relationship, but it's, it's just a relationship. Mm, that's wonderful. Yeah. I think you've alluded to it, but could you just reflect on as you mention that story about the um, most awesome conference. What did you value about yourself in making that happen? You know, I think it, there's a few things that I think it brought out in me. So my wife came with my daughters to the conference and stayed there, which we recognized afterward was very stressful to run a conference all day and then kind of be on daddy duty at night. So we're not doing that <laughs> this year. But I do think that it made it very clear to the participants who, you know, my four-year-old daughter was helping like, you know, deliver things and was around, but it made it very clear to them that, that for me, I value family, I value friends, I value the lifestyle of my business as well as the actual bottom line of my business. So I think that was the first thing that really stood out to me. And then the second thing 
that I, I really recognized was my ability to organize people. Uh, we all have different sets of strength and strengths. And when you have four consultants that are very high achievers, we all bring different sets of strengths. And I, I saw that my ability to quickly say, here's the problem that's happening. Let's figure out the solution. Uh, it really came out in this situation where there's a lot of moving parts when you're putting on your own conference. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. So what do you make, um, what's the distinction for you between living a fulfilling life and a successful life? I guess for me, a fulfilling life, to me, it incorporates every aspect of who you are. It's not just success in the worlds of the eyes of the world. It's looking at all the different life domains. So family, friends, health, spirituality, money, um, achievement, all of that to me is what I would lump into fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Whereas a successful life to me, for me personally, I wouldn't actually differentiate, but I think to most people success, they would equate it mostly with financial success or work success. But I personally don't see if I'm not fulfilled, I'm not successful. So Mm -hmm. for me, I don't, I don't differentiate because I, I'm not going to try to be successful at the expense of being fulfilled. Yeah. Okay. A good answer. Yeah. Yeah. Some people make the distinction that success is something that other people might measure, but fulfillment is something that only you can measure. Mm, I like that. Mm, yeah. You're doing this uh, most awesome conference again this year. Is that open to the public? Can people find out about it? It is. I think we have 10 tickets left. Uh-huh. And so the, you can go to mostawesomeconference.com and it's it's aimed at people that have a small business that they want to grow. And it's primarily uh, practitioners in mental health, but we have occupational therapists, we have life coaches, we have consultants, uh, speech pathologists. So people that are somehow serving the public through what they do. So that could be a life coach, that could be a consultant, it could be that you own some sort of practice. And we're going to be talking about finding your ideal client, finding private pay uh, folks that are willing to pay higher prices. How mm-hmm. do you become an expert and demonstrate that expertise? We're going to be talking all about kind of all the ins and outs, the nuts and bolts of it and have live feedback. We're going to have a website designer there live so that if you want to work on your website, he can for free just kind of help you get into your website and switch some things around. Awesome. How long is it? So it's a three-day conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Very good, yeah. And so on the first day, uh, it's it's more talks and then breakout sessions and then times to work on things. Uh, on the second day is when we're doing laser coaching. We're going to have massage therapists poolside. Everyone's getting their professional headshots and professional video. Uh, and then on the third day, we go back to kind of the first day model where we're doing kind of extensions on the talks. Mm-hmm. It, and how many people? You said you got ten left. How many yep. altogether? Yep. So it's it's only limit. It's limited to thirty five people. So oh, it's nice. very focused, very small, uh, very kind of catered to each person. Uh, like for example, last year we talked with a number of the participants beforehand to see what they wanted to talk about, and we I had created a whole kind of segment on podcasting. Well, once we got started, we realized that where they were at in their business, they didn't have some of the bedrock essentials set up uh, to have a quality website to be mm-hmm. able to host a podcast and not even focusing on who they wanted to serve. 
So I actually cut out three of my talks on podcasting and switched to how to use virtual assistants, how to be effective with your time, because that's where more questions were coming from the people there. So even within the process, as we work with the people that are there, we, we learn where they're at and they may have overestimated where they were at and we need to switch mid-conference. And if we need to, then we have the abilities to do that. Yeah, well, I think that says a lot about your flexibility and your knowledge of how you run a practice. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think that... If, and respond if, to people. <laughs> yeah, and if you if you aren't looking at your audience, whether that's a live audience or a podcasting audience or a blogging audience, and figuring out, are they resonating with this, then, then you're wasting your time and you're wasting their time. Because if no one's reading what you're doing or listening to it, you have to pivot in a different way to be able to go with where they are at. Yeah, and that's why feedback is so valuable, that you know that you're meeting a need out there or people are curious or they're learning or they're excited by what you're offering and it's adding value. Absolutely. And I think it even speaks to uh, how well you're tracking things. So how often when you send out an email, are people clicking on the link? Mm -hmm. And then are you sending emails to those people that clicked on the link to segment that list? Mm -hmm. Or are you looking at the flow within your Google Analytics? All these nuts and bolts that we really can look at now, Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of people that own small businesses don't. Yeah. Yeah, it takes a lot. And if you can kind of systematize that and you have resources, and a lot of it's automated as well, it's very helpful. It is, because yeah. then you can focus your time in on what's working mm-hmm. and then replicate that. Mm. So, Joe, is there anything else that you'd like to um, offer or share? Or Sure. So one thing that I think has really helped me in growing is to just stop being paralyzed by perfection. Uh, early on, I had to figure out how do I just kind of get to the meat of what I need to work on. And so I put together a 19-minute video for your audience and a 19-page download to help them get through uh, being paralyzed by perfection and get things done. Because to me, I'd rather see someone get something done and have it be a good step in the right direction than to just sit around and wait until it's perfect. Fantastic. And so that's a link that will show up on our show notes page. Absolutely. Or they can just go to practiceofthepractice.com forward slash perfection. Beautiful. Okay. Excellent. So what else would you like to talk about today? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm interested in what are some of the questions that, that your audience is asking you or that you're hearing from them? And maybe we can talk about how they can kind of live that out. Because having the mental health background and the business background, um, maybe we can talk about some of those common questions that you hear from your audience. Yeah, that's very good, Joe. Um, Not a lot of it at the moment is around actually running a business because that isn't kind of what I'm putting out into the world. It's more about the value of um, working through this positive lens and this worldview of appreciative increase. So people are very interested, well, where's the evidence? Where has it worked? You know, what are the results that you produce? So it's more around the content of how I, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm an audience member now saying to you that, you know, I, I have, um, I know my subject matter. I do have a client group out there um, and I want to grow my clients. So it's often about how do I get more clients? Mm. So maybe you could respond to that. Yeah. So when I when I interview people that 
have been really successful. People that their blogs or their speaking, whatever it is that indicates success. I was talking to this one speaker, his name's Rob Bell, and he went on tour with Oprah about a year ago. And we've been corresponding, talking about like, how do I, Joe Sanok, personally level up my career? How do I do this more? And I expected him to say, you know, connect with influencers, keep doing this. But his main response was to follow your curiosity, uh-huh. to do what's most interesting for you. And then the speaking, the followers, they're going to pick up on that more and they're going to share it more authentically. And and for me, it was like inside I felt that, but I thought that there was something else I should be doing. I should be reading a certain book or I should be listening to a certain podcast. And those are, those are helpful. But to really look at yourself in regards to what is it that makes me unique? What's my point of view of the world? So for me personally, if I'm not seeking adventure, if I'm not seeking growth in my life, then my experience is like I have less to draw from as a blogger, as a podcaster, as a counselor. And so the more that I can incorporate adventure and growth into my own personal life, that's going to inform my experiences. And so I would say that for you, for your listeners, uh, that the more that you can seek out your own curiosity, your own adventure, your own growth, the, the things that move you from just your comfort zone into a growth zone, but not quite to your panic zone, uh, those are the things that to me are really interesting and are going to naturally grow your audience because what you're doing is you're telling everyone in your world that every day is not the same. This adventure and this growth is changing my future. And we feel hopeless when we feel like yesterday is the same as today is the same as tomorrow. And when we seek that adventure and that growth and push against the way that maybe we've lived our life up to this point, uh, it, it's exciting. It, it opens up possibilities. And when you open up that sense of adventure for people, that's where I think the audience is going to naturally follow. Mm. And I'm hearing you speak with a very um, appreciative, positive frame of reference because when you start talking about curiosity and possibilities, you know, that's where you're coming from. So I would say that they're strengths of yours. So, you know, the first step often is invest some time and do some of the surveys that are out there about really finding your strengths because to your point, when you're operating from your, a place of strength, you are more energised. You do get into that flow state. You do feel you're being greater value. You are more authentic. You are more creative. And, you know, you just get into that zone and you can be far more productive. So um, I think that's a really good tip. Really find out what your what what excites you? You know, what is what is your strength or set of strengths that you know that you can work towards? I mean, I Abs- like you. Love of learning, curiosity, the world of possibilities and opportunities, you know, that, that excites me. But I know people who aren't that excited about those things. They want more certainty or more structure or more give me a system or, you know, like I said at the beginning, show me that it works, that kind of thing. And I, and I think that's such a good point because – so often knowing who you are, but then also knowing who you're not is such a part of that process. Because when we are trying to do things like we think we're supposed to do versus how we want to do them, uh, it usually gets in the way of our progress. And so if you are a person that values certainty, if you're a person that values routine, that values certain aspects of your life, build into those more and find what are the things that excite you within that. Mm-hmm. If you're a person that values you know, growth or travel or other things along those lines, find more things that bring that out in you. 
and eliminate the, the tasks in your life that aren't filling up those specific areas. I know for myself, when I uh, looked at my practice a number of years ago and what was taking up time that I hated doing, one of the biggest things was I hated um, checking my voicemail, making phone calls at the end of my day, feeling like I'm tired from doing counseling, um, and then jumping on the phone with people that are potentially new clients. I loved the marketing, like getting people to make the call, but when they actually made the call, I didn't want to call them back right away, <laughs> which, you know, doesn't doesn't sound real great for a business owner because that's you know a potential <laughs> lead. Uh, but when I found someone that could answer the phone and could get people scheduled and could be that frontline person, so I wasn't making those return phone calls as frequently, it allowed space in my life to do mm. the creativity that I wanted to do. And, and the more that I did that, the more that I saw my business grow, I saw that the amount of time that I was working went down I, and I saw the profits go up. Mm. Yeah, and just uh, just one thing I'd like to say before we um, we sign off here. Um, you have a very interesting website, and you share. You're very transparent with your practice. Would you like to say something about that? Sure. I, w- I was inspired by Pat Flynn with the Smart Passive Income podcast and blog, and he was sharing his his monthly income reports. And I thought that was a really important aspect of building trust, but also for showing what was working. And so when I launched the Practice of the Practice podcast, I'm, I'm sorry, the Practice of the Practice blog, that was one of the first things that I set up was to track how much I was making per month. And what I did is I would break it down exactly how much came in through counseling sessions, how much came through consulting, how much came through affiliate links, so that counselors could learn where they were making money. Because that's not something that's really talked about in graduate school. It's not talked about in general as to how to make more money. There's a lot of money shame in the counseling world, which I think we have to be smart about how we use our money. We have to use it for good things. Uh, We need values behind it. But it's not the money itself that's bad. It's the use of how people use that money. Mm -hmm. So... Since 2012, I've been doing my monthly income reports and went from you know around $1,000 a month that I was bringing in with this side business to I think in the last couple of months, I was around twenty dollars to $25,000 a month and did a quarter million dollars last year. And it's important to me to show not just where I'm at now, but also to show that full history of within just a couple of years, I went from this being you know an eight dollars to $12,000 a year side business to a quarter million dollar business. And if I just some random guy in northern Michigan can do this. Uh, I, I don't think that I'm anything special. I think I've found unique talents within myself that make me unique and special, but everybody has their own uniqueness that they could find uh, consulting, they, they could find work that would help them continue to level up. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. And that's a great story. So you can connect and find Joe on thepracticeofthepractice.com. Um, any other links or um, ways people can connect with you, Joe, that you'd like to share? I think probably the best two are I have uh, the Practice of the Practice podcast and the Become a Consultant podcast. And then, again, that free download for you, that 19-page module, it has three different exercises and a 19-minute training video on moving away from being paralyzed by perfection. And that's just practiceofthepractice.com forward slash perfection. Beautiful. Okay. Well, it's been so fun talking with you today, and I'm absolutely sure you've given some great tips Well, I know you've given great tips to me (laughs) and to the audience out there. So thanks, Joe. Thank you so much, Robin. This has been great. Also, you can be notified of new episodes by email. Links to all these suggestions are available on positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast.
thank you for listening. And remember, what you focus on grows. So grow towards your best. <laughs>